wonder where I'm going to start. So, on the Tim Manor podcast show today, we have my friend Dale Pinnock, the medicinal chef. Hello, hello. If people don't know it for context, just let them know who Dale Pinnock is and what Dale Pinnock does. So my, my background is um, in nutrition. I've been in the nutrition industry for 26 years now, just over 26 years. And that whole moniker, the medicinal chef, came along because rather than just standing in front of people and saying, you know, eat more of this, less of that, doing stuff that was a little bit dry and boring, I thought the most obvious place to, the most obvious vehicle for teaching people this information was creating recipes, creating dishes. Um, my whole focus is on the role that nutrition plays in disease management, disease prevention, rather than kind of weight loss or anything like that. So that's really how it how that name arose. So... When you first started out, when you were little, did you always know that you wanted to do what you're doing now? No, not at all. I got into it probably in the same way that most people find um, nutrition and wellness because of my own health challenges. Mm. I mean, my I, I was always always wanting to be like a drum and bass producer. That was my <laughs> that was my thing. I mean, like artist. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, have yeah, you always I, been in the, you always lived in the fens? Uh, Cambridge, yeah, uh, near Cambridge, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I lived out in the Fens for a little while, yeah. Um, you know, that's when we were doing, yeah, doing yeah. that pirate station. But I, I'm back in the back in the big town now because um, it was a little bit too remote. But no, I was I was always into D and B. So you know, I was I, I was a DJ. I had a studio. I used to yeah, we used to used to do pirate stations. Used to do events, all of that kind of stuff. That was always what I was into. Um, but then I, I, I always had really bad acne. I had bad acne from the age of about 10 or 11. It was that summer of leaving primary school to go to secondary school, that time in your life when you, you all of a sudden become aware of yourself in relation to your peers and start comparing yourself. And so is it playing on your self-esteem? <coughs> Massively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went, to, I went to so many different practitioners, doctors, dermatologists, and got every manner of lotion and potion. Nothing really worked. Nothing really made much of a difference. And it was... Only to, I got to about 15 years old. I'd been to all of these different practitioners, sat around at my friend's house one night, kind of feeling sorry for myself. And his mum gave me this book. How old are you? I was 15. And she said, if you don't sort out what's going on on the inside, nothing's going to change on the outside. So obviously as a 15-year-old boy, in the 90s, Thinking, you know, what, 1992, you're right? About. You'd be like, yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, but I was willing to try anything. And I read this book cover to cover in like a weekend. And that was that light bulb moment. That was that kind of aha moment that I realized that we can actively engage in our own healthcare to one degree or another. We thought that. Well, yeah. I mean, so I was very lucky to have found it early. Um, Oh, here we go. Amateur hour. Leaves his phone on. Sorry about that. Um, I was lucky to have found it early. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously it stood me in good stead in terms of keeping me healthy as I've got older. I mean, I'm 43 now and yeah. a lot of people get into it at this age because one day they look in the mirror and think, fuck me, what's that looking back at me? And realise they have to kind of start looking after themselves. I'm lucky that I've been into that for that length of time. Um, so it's given me a good health foundation, but also it's um, it's enabled me to develop the career that I have. So from 15 reading that book, where was it that you thought to yourself, right, I'm actually going to do this as a career? I read, I must have read like about a thousand books in um, in the space of two years, used myself as a guinea pig, 
Tried every kind of diet you can imagine. Put my put myself in hospital once. Um, Tell me that story. <laughs> huh? Tell me that story. Well, okay, so basically, I started getting really into like superfood smoothies. This is you know back in the day, I used yeah. to believe in superfoods and all that kind of crap. Um, yeah, when I, when I was in my experimental phase, um, and I was making all these raw chocolate smoothies and stuff, and my friend sent me this bag of ashwagandha herb what is, straight from India. So ashwagandha, it's I mean, I, t- I take it as a supplement quite often. It's it's an adaptogenic herb, so it helps to reduce cortisol and minimise the physiological impact that stress can have on the body, and it does help with um, regulating sleep patterns as well. So it's Latin names with um, withania somnifera. So it's always been traditionally used to regulate sleep patterns, but it's um, very common in India. He sent me a bag. Of, he was in India at the time. He sent me this bag of um, ashwagandha from India and their quality control and screening for pathogens isn't the same as the UK should we say and it had some kind of bacteria in it I made this smoothie and ended up with like a severe infection in my digestive system called mesenteric adenitis, which is where all the lymphatics of the gut become like highly inflamed and aggravated and um yeah, I was I was in I was in hospital for about a week, and I was all get I was getting it all prepped up to to have um, an appendectomy. They were going to take my appendix out like, because that was that was what they thought thought was the issue. But then there was a doctor leading rounds, so he was bringing a load of um, medical students around the wards and teaching them differential diagnosis. And um, he was like, okay, so there's someone here with appendicitis. Let's, you know, let's review the differential diagnosis for appendicitis. And one of the things with diagnosing appendicitis is you get something called rebound tenderness. So you you'll palpate the abdomen, then let go of it really quickly, and then you get a really sharp pain. And that's how you diagnose appendicitis. But that wasn't there. And it was moving when I was turning on my sides. And he was like, this patient's got mesenteric adenitis. He hasn't got appendicitis. Really? So I was, I was literally marked up for surgery. And because this guy was coming and doing rounds and teaching the students, they actually gave me the correct diagnosis. So I ended up on IV antibiotics. Did you get rid of your acne? Oh, yeah, I did. I mean, with, uh, with How did you do that? It just it just got better with with a better diet. I mean, I I, I have a shitload of treatments as well. Still, I mean, like I, so I was from having... what you were eating into the knowledge that given yourself, what we what did you dramatically dramatically change? So just moving over to a whole foods diet. I mean, it, over the years, I I was I was a vegan for twenty years. I mean, not at all now. I, I eat everything. But um, what's the reason for that change? For that change, I mean, I initially became vegan on ethical grounds because I've yeah. been a, I've been a practicing Buddhist for years since yeah. um since I was about 18 and I it, it still plays on my mind the whole ethical considerations in terms of like you know something else having to die in order for me to yeah. eat that particular meal but it made me so ill I just didn't have any other option it got to the point I mean after 20 years I was in a pretty bad way um, you know, and it, it played havoc with mental health. With I mean, all of a sudden I started ballooning as well. I mean, I've always been very small, but all of a sudden I was just like, kind of expanding very quickly, and there was a lot of um, inflammatory issues, joint pains. I was yeah in a, in a pretty bad way. Even though I was eating a good diet, I mean, it certainly wasn't unhealthy. It wasn't. I mean, you can eat you can eat chips and Oreos and still be vegan. It wasn't any of that kind of crap. It was whole foods, but there was just some real key things that were missing from the diet and. After 20 years, I started getting the most unquenchable meat cravings. 
like ridiculous. I mean, a lot of people say that about kind of three, four, five months into it, they'll smell a bacon sam- sandwich or something and yeah. and get a craving. I had none of that for 20 years, but then all of a sudden it just came. And the first thing I had was a steak and I literally went into orbit. I felt superhuman. <laughs> yeah, it was wicked. So basically the, the transition that I made, I, I just moved over to a whole foods diet because my diet before I discovered nutrition so was, was atrocious. Was that, was that your sort of approach when you had the acne that you went to the whole foods? Yeah. You were feeling great, obviously because you were yeah, eating crap yeah. and then you were feeling yeah. great for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, for 20 years I thrived on that diet. Um, the changes on so many levels, I mean, yeah, obviously the skin issues sorted themselves out, but cognitive function. Literally, literally it was almost it was almost like a uh, an intelligence upgrade which was really bizarre it's like my brain just worked in a way that it never like worked before there was like a mental clarity there was you know an ability to think creatively and think around things in a different way um yeah it was very bizarre the changes that i went through yeah it's mad that isn't it so you've gone from reading this book when you were 15 mm. into going to a whole foods diet when was the point where you thought look at you actually love this i want to take this on as a career probably about th- i i was about 21 so you've 22. gone through the drum and bass thing you're yeah, loving yeah, it. yeah you've yeah. always loved that anyway yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. then when you thought to yourself i want to do this yeah because it nothing had really kind of gripped me in the way that this did and I mean, when I was at school, I, I fucked about, so yeah, I had no, yeah. <laughs> no kind of um, A levels or anything. So I had to, I had to go and do a um, a foundation course, uh, an access course they called it for for mature students. I was twenty one, so yeah. that was apparently that was old for going to university back then. So at that point, you're just floating around life, just dicking about. Yeah, exactly. Doing a bit of music and that, and exactly. then you thought, "Fucking, I better do something here." Well, it, it wasn't that. It's just like I wanted to do something. It wasn't like I felt like I should. It was just like this really interests me. This is a real passion. Um, I was I was always one of those people that like, if I didn't have a passion for it, I just wasn't interested. Like at school, I mean, I was I was far 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 from unable. I was like um, when I first started school, I was in all the top groups for everything, but because I just didn't do the work, you know, I didn't maintain that. I just but found, nothing grit you like. No, you I just found. I just found it banal. I was just I was just yeah. like, what? Why on earth do I give a shit about pie? Yeah. Why? What on earth do I care about? you know ancient literature for i mean you know i love i, I love to read a lot I, yeah. I i'm very proud of the fact that i am well read but at that time i wasn't particularly interested in any of that kind of stuff so i just didn't bother and um <laughs> you know and it was also in the middle of the rave scene so you can imagine what yeah, I, yeah. I, I kind gets of, done. yeah you can imagine what i i found as an alternative uh, interest um, but then, yeah, I, I, I finally got gripped by something. I was like, this is something I, I could really build a career out of. And I've always had quite an obsessive personality. Yeah. So once I focus on something, I make it happen. There's no, yeah. there's no two ways. You know, there, there, so what, what was this course that you took then? So I did an access course first. And then after that, I did... What uh, was the access course in nutrition? Uh, no, no, it was um, chemistry, biology, psychology and philosophy. Those the the subjects that I did I mean you had to have a fourth one I thought philosophy that sounds interesting that was quite cool um chemistry was awful that's my my worst subject I fucking hated it but then after that I did um my first degree in human nutrition then I did a a second degree in herbal medicine and then had a couple of years actually working in the industry then did a, a master's in nutritional medicine at Surrey so, uh, so yeah, I've got up to the, the postgraduate level. I don't think I'd want to do a PhD. I don't think, I, I think no, I'm too old for that. 
Do you do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a lot of work. For by me. having it, <laughs> what, would it, how would it would it benefit no, your life in any no, way by having no, it? It'd be a lot of stress for three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just getting some more letters after your name. Hmm. So, talk to me about the buddy side of it. So you started yeah. that when you were eighteen. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I know there's, you've always been spiritual, but I didn't know it. Yeah, it there's a lay a lay Buddhist order called Shinyoen. Um, right. which is based around the Mahapari Nirvana Sutra, which is the sutra that the Buddha wrote in the, the third stage of enlightenment, because that's that you there, that's yeah. the second stage of enlightenment, okay? So you see, you'll see three types of Buddha. You'll see the standing, yeah. you'll see um, the, the Buddha in the lotus position, and you'll see the reclining Buddha. Those are three different sutras, three different teachings written around different stages of enlightenment. And... Um, yeah, Shinyuan is based around the final, the final sutra, and it's it's a lay Buddhist order. So most forms of Buddhism do involve a lot of asceticism. You know, people have to be monks to study it. But this is actually a lay order where uh, originating from Japan. I mean, Japan, the two dominant religions are Buddhism and Shintoism. And it's yeah, it's it's. How come you don't just like a, put any of that on your social media or anything? Um, What's the, because there's a reason for because that. Because yeah, because it's it's just a personal thing. I mean, yeah. I, with with social media, I think I think there's a lot of people that put stuff out there just to get a response from people and yeah, just I get to, that, just mate. just to kind of. Um, I mean, there's so much there's so much about social media that gets yeah. on my nerves. Um, I'm just on there to talk about nutrition. That's that's my thing. I mean, even on my my personal. Facebook page, you know, not not my not my business ones. I don't really talk about it that much. Um, sometimes I do. I mean, anyone that knows that sort of knows me well knows that yeah. that, that I've been practicing that for all of that time. But it's I don't know. I just I just find spirituality is really a, a a personal journey. I mean, I love to talk about it. Obviously, in this kind of setting, yeah, yeah, no, when I'm asked, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'd like to talk about it. Um, I just don't necessarily offer up the information um, just because it's a, it's you know it's just yeah. my own journey. It's that that inward journey and that 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 thing in life that. What so I mean, eighteen, you know, forty-three now. So it's just like back then. It's not really heard of. What is it? Yeah. What what that got you into that? Always felt drawn to it. Have you? Bizarrely, yeah. Always felt felt drawn to How it. How did you make um, a step from going in, into an actual? I'd, actually, I I met this girl, this Japanese girl, um, that was a practicing Buddhist, and I, and I was like, oh wow. And she was like, oh, I'll go to a temple in London in Surbiton. And she's like, you have to come along. I was like, yeah, I'd love to. I went along, and it was it was just such a beautiful environment. What, and, is it, what uh, was it when you first walked? Because what did well, you practice detachment and... Well, I mean, yeah, that whole thing about attachment, it's, it's, quite, it's quite bizarre. When I first became aware of, of those teachings, I actually felt that it was quite a... It seemed like quite a depressing thing. I yeah, like, I know that. I, I, yeah, I couldn't imagine yeah, yeah, being yeah. unattached. But now it's the most beautiful, liberating thing yeah. ever. It's incredible. Most of our suffering comes from attachment. It's, yeah. That's like the, one of one of the core teachings yeah. in Buddhism. And it's basically like, if you don't get a certain result, you feel disappointed. You feel disappointed because you were attached to an outcome. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you break up with someone. You've been obviously attached to that person being in your life in a certain yeah. way, etc., etc. Because we have these attachments to things, and to to try and develop that state of non-attachment, I mean, it takes it takes quite a lot of work. And it's yeah. and, and when you when you first speak to people about it, they basically what? So you don't give a shit about it? Yeah, no, like, no, no. Far from it. Yeah, far yeah, from yeah, it. It's yeah, just yeah. It, it. It's like you can you can have passion and love and 
desire for certain things and certain ways of living and certain things in your life but you cannot be attached to it as well it's like if it doesn't happen I can still be happy yeah. if it doesn't happen I can still appreciate the beauty in every single moment yeah. this is this is the point that's yeah, the point of it here. it's just like absolutely have a desire to better yourself and to move forward in life but if things don't work out exactly as you planned Look at all the beautiful things that happen on the journey as well. I mean, I know that's such a fucking cliche, isn't it? It's the journey that matters, not the destination. But yeah. it's, it, it, that's, it's that's kind of... That's where I hate social media because people have got that as a quote, but they've got no context behind it. I know, and, and, I know. And that, you know what I mean? It's like when you're talking about it, I know where, I know what place it's coming from. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's and a big thing because I, yeah. um, I, I was thinking about the other day, I know it sounds a bit morbid, but like um, my dog dying. Mm. Um and I would love to be at a point where I've not got that attachment with him that I can kind of not get really upset and depressed, but I've kind of enjoyed his life that I've had with him. Yeah. And, it, and it's that for me that I, I really, yeah. I'm trying to explore a little bit at the minute. Uh, so, yeah, sometimes you get, you, you get forced into kind of managing that. I mean, just less than two years ago, my dad passed away and everything, it was really quick. And... I don't think there's been anything that has knocked the wind out of my sails in quite the same way. Which is that? Um, I, it's, it's one of those things you, you can only really understand if you've been through that yourself, like yeah. the, the sheer impact that it has. But also it was like a really golden opportunity to, exactly as you said, yeah. to think about all of the gifts and the good things that have been there and not be so attached to the fact that now he's gone because in a way that's almost yeah. like tarnishing the all the good stuff if yeah. that makes does, does no, that, the, does that make sense, sense yeah that's what i'm struggling with yeah the yeah and it, oh, it's difficult it's yeah. there's, there's, there's it's yeah. absolutely not easy yeah and it was difficult i mean i you know i i drank very heavily i mean i I've I had I've had addiction issues. I you know I had okay. f- full blown alcoholism before, um, and so I relapsed with that. I I didn't go out. I didn't you know there was a lot of things that I that that I went through in that grieving process. But that end place was really liberating, and and to, to finally have that realization that you know I mean, of course I'm going to miss him, but yeah. I would rather. I mean. This is another thing that's very bizarre, and I think my mum understands this, but I hope she does. I've not been to his grave. I've not been to his grave since the day of the funeral for the simple reason that I just don't want to... I mean, I, I will eventually, but at the moment, I just don't want to think about him in a hole in the ground. I just want to think about all of the, all of the good times and all of the, all of the, the positive things that we share. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, so it's, can, can you talk about the alcohol bit? Because hmm. obviously we've never talked about that. Yeah, before. yeah. It's ob- for for obvious reasons. It's not something that I <laughs> make public either. Yeah, yeah. Not that I think it will will be damaging. I think people will actually appreciate the honesty. And there's other people that have gone through it. Yeah, so yeah. Um, you know, if I could help anyone, then 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 yeah. that's great. It's just it's it's obviously quite a a tricky choice to to make whether whether I sort of go public with it, but. I was always a social drinker. I was always the kind of... In the sort of like the drum and bass sort of times? Yeah. Is it after that? After that. After that. It's probably started in the noughties. So early 2000s. 
um, the uni days actually yeah. I mean I, I lived I lived above a pub and it was one of the main student pubs in Kingston upon Thames right. um, and this place was mental it was called the coconut and it was like it was just this crazy crazy pub with like sculptures made out of hubcaps hanging from the ceiling they did like <laughs> 10p mix-up suites behind the bar <coughs> excuse me behind the bar and stuff like that it was really quirky you'd have loved it it would have been right up your street so, yeah. <coughs> and um it kind of it, the thing is with alcoholism it's it's a sneak attack it's a it's a really really crafty addiction because it's it is this social lubricant it is such a normalized thing in the uk in the western world it's it's such a normalized thing to do yeah. is to drink and so many social milestones and occasions are built around alcohol you like you have some good news you celebrate with some champagne you uh you know it's christmas let's get pissed you know what i mean it's, it's it's kind of central to to so many things in this country that you don't realize the always the relationship that you're having with it and it got to the point where I mean I was I was going through some real personal growth as well. So you know the growing pains like and yeah, the, yeah. the kind of mental to find yourself me, and yeah and the, the the mental turmoil that that comes with that and um, I basically just started to use it as um, to self medicate to to shut the noise down because I'm 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 a real thinker. I'm always yeah, yeah, always yeah. thinking and, and analyzing and. Over, over analyzing too much, probably. Like a form of ADHD. Probably, like I, I a, don't know. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. A, a couple of people have said that. Because, like, past. when you're focused, mate, you're laser focused, yeah, aren't you? Exactly. Just like exactly. almost where it's a bit irrational, where it's like, yeah, right down yeah, the exactly. rabbit hole. Exactly, and when when you're kind of when when that focus and that that mindset is in a growth period, and you're you know you're worried and you're stressed, you need to sh- just shut it up. And my way of shutting it up was just to get blind drunk. And it did get to the point where I realised it was affecting my health, it was affecting my mental health, it was affecting my physical health. Um, and I had to call a spade a spade. But I, the first thing that I did, like I guess a lot of people do, is I went to AA. And it just really didn't gel with me at all because one of the fundamentals in AA is like you have to offer up the fact that you're powerless. And I was like, I'm not fucking powerless. I just need to make better decisions. It's like if I, if if I if I put myself in that position where it's just like well I haven't got any control over it I'll never win. Mm. I was just like I just need to raise my standards. So I I I, I instead of going to AA I went to the likes of Tony Robbins and uh, Tom Billu and Brendan Bouchard and all of so these you're basically all of these kind books of, and watching yeah yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, and and talking to people that uh, and I was just like I'm making different choices. I'm raising my standards. That's it. There's no, there's, there's no other way. There's none of this like, oh, I've got no control over it stuff. It's just like, I can, I can control what I do today. I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I can control what I do today. Which and, is Bobby's yeah. mentality again. It is, it is. It's, it's, always kind of, it's always kind of coming back, back down to that thing. Um, ultimately, that all change comes from, from us. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So, so that's how I got out of the woods. Um, how long did it take you to get out of the woods? When I was finally ready to make that choice, instantaneous. Really? Yeah, I'd tried to give. I mean, because I, I, I don't say that I'm teetotal now. I mean, like if I'm, 
on holiday I might have a beer or something like that. So, but it's the it's the choice that's changed, and this this has been the key. Loads of other times I've like been coerced into giving up. You know, like my girlfriend was obviously worried about me. She's like, you need to just sort your shit out. You need to to get on top of this. And when I've sort of done it to appease her, never worked. Yeah. When um, I'm like, oh, I really should do this. It's never worked. But then one day I was, I was just sat there. And I was just like, not anymore. This isn't my once reality you've anymore. Yes. Yeah. Once once that once that decision was made, that was it. Laser focused. In. Yeah. Yeah. It was really bizarre. It was really, really bizarre. It was just this the sudden thing that chat. got you into the thing has actually got you out of it as yeah. well. Yeah, that's 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 the only way I think. Because I mean, there was there was just something that just really didn't sit right with it. this this whole idea of like, um, oh, you're a lifelong alcoholic. Yeah. It's like no, you're not. You're just making shit choices. I mean, I do think there's there's physical dependence, but yeah. I I I think most people with a drinking problem have got a thinking problem. That's really what it boils down to. I mean, you know, there are chemical hooks in things. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Johan Hari. No. Incredible. You've got to check his work out. He's right. absolutely amazing. He's a, a British journalist and he's he wrote a book called Chasing the Scream, but also another book called Lost Connections, which is um, about depression. But his first book, which was on addiction, he, you know, one of the first things that sent him on this journey was just like, we've been told this story that addiction comes from these chemical hooks, like, you know, heroin addiction comes from taking heroin. It's like, well, duh, yeah, obvious. But it was like, well, how many people like go into hospital and have like a, a major surgery and are given diamorphine for over a week? That's the purest heroin you can get. They don't come out of hospital and try and score around the corner, do they? There's got to be environmental yeah. circumstances yeah. that drive people into that addictive behavior. Yeah. And very often, I mean, like, because he, he always tells a story of this guy that was doing um, experiments on, on rats. It was like, put a rat on its, on its own in a cage and there'll be two bottles of water in there. One, one would be pure water, one would be water that was laced with uh, cocaine. So someone's giving a rat a good time. Um, and this, this, this rat, like, on its own would always choose the drug water. But he then created what he called Rat Park, which was like loads and loads of rats all in this, this one massive cage. There was colored balls. There was like all the sorts of things they could play with. And again, there was the, the two bottles of water. They never went near the drug water, ever. Because they had everything that made their life significant. Interesting. And this is the thing. It's like what what actually what are our needs as humans? Yeah. And if these needs aren't met, then sometimes I mean really the the conclusion that he came to was that like and this is one that I actually agree with, addiction comes when people's lives are too painful to bear. That's that's the truth. And you wanna you, you want to take yourself out of it, but you don't want to do it permanently. You know, you don't want to end your life, but yeah. you don't want to be present in what in is going on. Is yeah, right. exactly. And that's that's why I was doing what I was doing because I just I was I was going through a really really dark time. It was like you know the dark night of the soul kind of thing. And the darkest just, time you life. Yeah, yeah. And I just want I just wanted it to 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 stop. Um, but. I've always had like so many aspirations. I was just like, well, I don't particularly want to top myself. It's not, you know, that's not what I feel like, but I just don't want to feel the things that I'm feeling on a day-to-day basis. And it was only when I, I, I really realized that and then I made that decision and gave myself a monumental kick up the jacksie that things changed. And it's bizarre. And, and now it, it doesn't occupy my mind whatsoever. I can take it or leave it. It doesn't, doesn't concern me. 
if, if one day I sort of you know, fancy a beer on a hot day, not a problem. But then I don't sit there at like, you know, nine o'clock in, in the morning in my pyjamas in the garden drinking Stella, which is what I did. You know, when it was at its worst, that's exactly what I did. And when I think about it now, it's, it's shameful behaviour. But it's, it, was, it was one of those things. It's yeah. just one of those things. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I went through it because I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about, you know, the nature of addiction. I learned a lot of things about how I could help others that are in that situation. So I don't, I don't sit there and feel ashamed of myself. But it was a shameful way to act, if you know what I mean. Um, Do you ever talk like this with any other podcast? This, this is the first time. Is it really? The first time ever, yeah. Yeah, it's mad, yeah. that, isn't it? It's just like what you just said then. It's just like to help other people out mm. and stuff, you need mm. to be kind of... Because t- t- not many people think like this, mate. No, and also this is, this is the other thing as well. Um, in the wellness industry, there's it's there's always a lot of pressure that you've got to have all your shit together. Yeah. You've got to be the shining example of everything. Yeah. And clearly that's false because we're all we're all flawed beings. You yeah. know, that's just part of the... Yeah the agreement of the human condition is yeah. just like, well, you know, you're going to fuck up. That's just how it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's what you do with that and how you progress through that that matters, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've toyed with this and I've, you know, I spoke to other people in the industry that were aware that I went through that. Mm. And I was like, do you think I should open yeah. up about this? Yeah. Do you think I should tell people? Yeah, and I just don't know. I just don't know. I mean, obviously, in this kind of scenario, it's easier. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't see myself just suddenly jumping on Instagram and being, hey, guess what? I had this. Um, one, I'd find it a bit self-indulgent. And two, it, it could be a catalyst for, um, for bad. So I don't know. I just don't know. I know, but your intentions are to yeah. help other people out. Yeah. So I don't know how it can go wrong, mate. Yeah. It's um, it, it's a tough one, mate, because I I feel that um, at the minute, obviously, me and you talk about your brand and stuff. That is a major factor of your brand. Yeah. Buddhism is a major factor of your brand. Yeah. There's a lot of people who really resonate with you. Yeah. I'm not saying all of a sudden go all Huns, you know, guns blazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But certainly, you know, put little bits in. You know, we're talking about doing day up in at rants and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's you just so much more than nutrition, mate, aren't you? Yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. massively. <laughs> yeah. Just like, who do so academic, academically, you know, all the books you've read, mm. all the things that you've got, mm. the Buddhism, all that kind of thing. Obviously, the choice is yours, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all part of the day up in at Bram for me. Mm. I'm sure there'd be a point that you might just go, you know what, the hell with this, just one post a week or something, talk about life strategy, talk about yeah. soul. It's all part of what you're I, I like. I, I like to talk about that stuff as well because... I can see because you like you like your eyes light up when you talk about it. The thing, the thing is, I mean, because I've been in. I'm the, not saying the nutrition. going on a pulse, right? And going right. I used to be an alcoholic, and then all of a sudden I got out of it. I'm talking yeah. about just introduce a little bit of buddhism yeah, to start yeah, off yeah. with, mate. About life and stuff. Yeah. You, you, followers would love that, mate. Yeah. I know they would. And just it's good because obviously, always life. talking about nutrition. Sometimes it. I'll never not be grateful for it, but sometimes it's just like, I want to talk about something else for a change. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I think you should do it, mate. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, interesting. You need to do it. Because mm. you do, to a point, um, kind of hide behind your food a little bit. One your of the food things, is your thing. One of the things, weirdly, I am moving away from food a little bit. Are you? Yeah, because for, so, for such a long time, um, I mean, one, people thought I was just a chef. Right. And it's just like, well, no, I've got two yeah, degrees, no, and, two degrees the, and a yeah, master's yeah, yeah, and I need yeah, to, yeah. I want to flex those muscles a little bit. It'd be like, yeah. look, I've, I've, I know the science. 
Yeah. I know the science to a point it would fucking turn you white, right? Yeah. Um, and I want to sh- I want to showcase that, and I want to talk more about the um, the 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 geeky stuff, you know, the biochemistry and yeah. pathophysiology and all that good juicy stuff. Yeah. So I'm doing more around that. I've just written my last cookbook. How many books have you got now? I've written 18 books. 18? Yeah. um, They're in 19 languages in 22 countries. It's crazy. Um, But I've just written my last cookbook. The next books that I'm going to write are going to be uh, more text-based. They're going to be more around the science. They're absolutely going to be about nutrition, nutrition and wellness. Of course, they're going to be about nutrition and wellness. But um, they're going to be more around the science and less like a, a, a nice fancy cookbook. So because that's what, that's what excites me more. That's what kind of... Do you want another water? I'm all right for the minute, sure. actually. Yeah. Um, so you, you finished uni, you, you finished all your grades and stuff, and then you've become a qualified nutritionalist. Mm-hmm. Is that basically what we're saying, that day up in it? Yeah, nutritionalist, nutritionist, yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I, my first, the first thing that I did was set up my own clinic. Yeah. So I had a clinic in Cambridgeshire, a clinic in Hertfordshire, and yeah, that was that was the starting point. But then I realised <clears throat> one that it can. I, I just started attracting very very sick people, like from the offset. I mean, um, advanced stage cancer patients, HIV AIDS patients, people that were really really in a bad way. And of course, it's like a blessing to be able to help them. But it, it was very at that time. It was quite difficult emotionally. You know, and uh, the energy of doing that, you you have to be made of pretty strong stuff, and I wasn't at the time. Um, So I left clinical practice just because I found it a little bit overwhelming, but my real passion was the teaching and talking, and because I was doing a lot of radio, I was on uh, BBC Three Counties every other week doing a phone-in, and... um, How did you get that gig? Just contacted them. Literally just 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 got in touch, yeah. Um, Local radio, uh, and at that time, no one was really talking about it. The only people that were on the circuit then... Were like me, Ian Marber, Patrick Holford, um, and that was it. There was no are they, really. So are they talking about nutrition? Or are they just talking, talking about, nutrition? about recipes? This was about nutrition. This was no. bef- this was before I was really doing like the cookbooks or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. This was before I'd published a book. But obviously, I'd sometimes take food in and, and whatever. But it was just doing a phone in about nutrition. People would phone up and be like, "Oh, I'm tired all the time, or I've got this, I've got that. What could I take? What could I do?" Um, and because my second degree was herbal medicine as well, I used to talk about like herbs and nutrition. Those are the two things that I talked about. And I loved the media side of things. Yeah. I was like, I really want to, I really want to really develop that. And also, I was just like, I want to make some fucking money. Yeah. I was just like, I've just had enough of of it's kind of scraping. yeah, just just pissing about through life. I was just like, you know, I want to, I, I want, I want to do some amazing things now, and. Um, yeah, that kind of that that put the the idea in my head that like, well, the internet's the way to do this. That's that's where the scale is. And this was when this. Was that, how old you? How old were you then when you had that? I can't remember, but it was in the days of MySpace. So that oh, okay. that would give you an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I can, could I? Yeah, I'll get to come on. Yeah. Yeah, MySpace, bloody Nora, and the first the first thing that I did was I created this website called the Global Holistic Network. And I think about it now. So. You actually created the website yourself? Well, I've got someone to build it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you come through and get um, Dale the water for me, please? Thanks, dude. Bye. That yeah. buddy's thing's sick, mate. Yeah. I didn't realise that. No? No. Huh. 
It's because obviously because you don't put it out there. Yeah, like, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. I love stuff like that, mate. Yeah, love it. It's just all part of it, isn't it? And it's you know what it it just it makes life a lot more bearable. Yeah, because you, could, you it just gives you a different perspective on things. Hello, hello. That's cool. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it makes life much more simple. Yeah. So, can you just go down to a Buddhist monastery, can you, and just? Yeah, generally, yeah. And yeah. what sort of so things are you I mean, doing? What, what sort of things are you doing in there? Okay, so most of the time, I mean, like with Shinyo En, for example, um, there's like open days and stuff where people can go along, and, and there's there's a, a, a particular ceremony called the lantern floating ceremony, which is basically it, it symbolizes um, essentially almost like praying for the, the souls of people that passed and your ancestors and that kind of stuff that's that's like the symbolism it's, it's creating so you put all the lands on the lake and then just on the lake exactly it's beautiful it's a, it's a lovely thing and that's always an open day as well so they have they have the actual service which will be you know it's just like chanting and and readings and that kind yeah. of stuff and then it's like a we big open some, day we did some chanting at um at hot yoga because i got hot yoga about three times a week and i, and I went the other day um, and they started doing, you know, the oms and stuff like that. Mm. And I, I, ju- I just like the vibration yeah. through my body, the frequency. Yeah. It was really cool, mate. Yeah, because a lot of it is, uh, with with this particular one, it's a combination of Sanskrit and Japanese. So it's like, it's it's pretty mixed up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's... There's, it's there's cool, some, there's something it's really about cool that. Yeah. I really do wish you up, you put that on your Instagram and stuff, yeah, just to mix it up a little yeah. bit. Because, like you said, just, a lot of people just describe you as a chef, and you're just like you're so much fucking more. Than I that. know, which is why I want to move away from that, yeah. move away from the cooking side of things, because yeah. there's I've got a lot more to show, I guess. Yeah. So when you were at, let's let's go back. So you're at the clinic. You went to the radio. Right, mm. so you're on the radio. You're thinking in your mind, right? I want to get into media. Yeah. So, what you went and did a website. Oh yeah. So, well, the, the media, but also I, I, I wanted a, a scalable business as well. So I created this website. Well, I found this this guy in the US that just made in awesome websites. Yeah. Particularly with forums and stuff like that. So this website there was like practitioner listings. There was articles. There was forums. The old kind of that thing yeah, where yeah, you yeah. where you build that site and you have banner ads on there and people pay for the ads and all of that kind of shizzle. It was all that. Okay, so that was the first thing that I did and it was a monumental bomb. It just it failed miserably. I mean, some people used it, but it was it just it just didn't expand the way that I wanted it. Um, and then yeah, I I thought okay, so I'll do I'll just focus on the media for a little bit, and started working with this 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 agent years ago. You know, she she was a, she was a PR person really more than an agent. And she so managed. Have you, have you found her? Have you kind of gone right? I want to do. This. I, I, I'm going to find an agent. And I, I met her at an event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, she's not my, my agent now. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm with the the Can Group yeah, now. Yeah. that are awesome, but. Um, she got me onto the Chris Evans show on Radio Two. Wow. Yeah. And that was, was that the thing first? that changed everything. Right. So, well, Crashed my website for three days. Really? Yeah. And uh, I... I must so have, this website that bombed, you thought? Yeah, not, not that one. This was just the first ever incarnation of DalePinnock.com. The, fir- the first one. Bright, bloody green it was. It was awful. Um, 
yeah, crashed it for, so for three days. So that experience then. So you're thinking, right, I'm going on TV. You've got no media experience. No, on Radio 2. So it was on, on national radio, oh, right, okay. on BBC Radio 2. Um, yeah, because I, I had a lot of radio experience. Right. It was okay, but obviously I was, you know, yeah, squ- yeah, squeaky yeah. bum time yeah, because yeah. it's national and it's like, yeah. you know, it's only about 11 million people. You'll be all right. Um, so I was like, all right, how are you? you know, kind of <laughs> Kevin and Perry style. Um, I wasn't that bad, actually. I, mean, I listened back and I can tell that I was yeah. packing myself a little bit. Uh, but it, it went really, really well and Chris loved it. And now and I've, been on, I've been on with him loads since. I mean, I've been on with him on Virgin Radio as well. Yeah. And I've been on with Steve Wright about seven or eight times on Radio 2. So, so now it's like an everyday thing. Not an everyday thing, but it's, it's a common thing. Um, but back then, that was that was huge. And I started getting contacted by TV companies and all sorts. We, we actually came up, up to Manchester and made a, uh, a demo with this, uh, Nine Lives Media. Yeah. We actually created like a demo and that was sent to Channel 4 and stuff, but, but nothing really happened. Um, and I was like, yeah, okay, so let's let's try and pursue the TV. Let's let's push. And we 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 constantly contacted every single show, and it was like <clears throat> an impenetrable wall. And I just had an idea because <clears throat> I saw uh, a friend of mine, Jason Vale, you know, the Juice Master, yeah, good friend of mine. I saw that he had done some TV in Ireland. And I was like, I wonder if we can contact some of these shows in Ireland, smaller country. Maybe it'll be a little bit easier. And contacted this one show called um, Four Live which is basically like, if you imagine like this morning, but on in the afternoon, just for an hour, uh, that kind of vibe. And they were like, yeah, we'd love to have you on, come over. So I did... Just like that? Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's such a small country and, you know, they, they're always looking for content. Wow. And, um, yeah, so that was my first live TV experience. And so it went, how, how, how did you know what hour you were going to be? Well, I didn't. Are you practicing? So, no, you, I just, I just no did it. I was just, I was just like, I'm just going to be myself, and hopefully people don't think I'm a bell end. And that was it, really. That was pretty much all I did. And the audience really loved it. So they were like, "Would you like to come over every two weeks? Like, we'll sort your flights out. We'll get, we'll get you over every fortnight." I was like, "Yeah." And I built up like a good showreel. So I built up lots of of TV experience and built up the showreel. Yeah. And we started using that to send to other companies as well. And finally. Um, Spun Gold Media th- decided to give me a chance. They made the Alan Titchmarsh show on ITV. Right, okay. right? Um, massive, massive, massive audience. The, honestly, the viewers on that show, it was a great show to do. Um, and they were like, "Yeah, come on and uh, come and do do the AT show." And I, I, I got there. I was supposed to be doing the pre-record because um, Monday to Thursday was live. And Friday was pre-recorded. They record Friday's show after the live yeah. Thursday one. So I was there to record the 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 one for for the Friday. Got there, they were like, "Oh, there's been a bit of a change in schedule. You're on the live now." So this is my first time live to like literally told me at that point, and it went amazingly. Did yeah, it? it did go. I mean, I mean, obviously my uh, my cornhole was winking at everyone, but um, it went really, really well. And I started doing that show regularly. What, what are you doing on the show? What were they asking you to do? Uh, that first one was cooking. And I made my, my signature dish, um, which I also took on the first appearance on Chris Evans' show, actually, which is the flu fighting soup. I took that on there. And um, yeah, it went really, really well. Then I was back the, a week later and was cooking with Mary Berry on there. It was quite fun. And then, yeah, just started doing all sorts. I used to do random features about anything yeah it was like a regular a regular thing so we just started just like <clears throat> snowballing after and that. then i was like okay so let's move the goalposts again i was just like I'd, I'd like to get on on the rain 
That sounds a bit wrong, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> but, <clears throat> sorry, I've got a frog. Um, that was a show that I always wanted to do. What year was that? <clears throat> um, I want to say 2009. Right. She was massive then, weren't she? She's still massive yeah. now. Yeah, well, Lorraine, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, still, it's still a good it's show. It's like a household name, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's a great show. And the f- I, I managed to get on there. They, they were looking for content for one of the Bank Holiday shows. And it wasn't even her that was presenting it that time. So I've, I've, been on, I've been on Lorraine four times, and I've only ever been on with R- Lorraine Kelly once, which is really bizarre. It's always been with, uh, with other people. And the last time I went on there was with um, the lovely Christine Lampard. Right. Yeah, I got to know her. She's, she's awesome. She's such a nice presenter really? to work with. One of the nicest people in TV, hands down. Um, so, yeah, I managed to get on to, on to Lorraine. But then the big one was always this morning. I was like, I've got to get on this morning because that was the one. That was the one. Laser focus again. And Christ on a bike. That was the hardest thing. That was like we badgered the shit out of them for years. And that that agent I was with at the time just couldn't couldn't get that one to happen. But let's get it. I'd started doing a fair bit with BBC Radio London with Gabby Roslin. And Gabby Roslin has become a very close friend of mine now. And... She was like, why don't you speak to my agent, Dylan, at Troika? He looks after Amanda Holden, and Amanda was covering um, for Holly Willoughby at the time. And yeah, he might be able to figure something out for you. So I went and spoke to this guy. He made one phone call to Pete Ogden, that was the head of this morning at the time. I was in his office the next day, and he was like, how would you like to come in and do a full week, Monday to Friday, we'll do a whole feature around it. And I was like, oh, yeah, completely dumbstruck was this the, kind of the pinnacle of your career doing that would you say was that like, that was that was pretty cool Evans going through all that and then you get to that was good but Eat Shop Save has probably been one of the best things for me is it yeah yeah because that's that's I had one heck of an audience to give you an idea this morning gets about 800,000 viewers Eat Shop Save averaged around 3.2 million wow yeah so that was that did really well for me that was ITV ITV Prime Time the first two years we were Sandwiched between the two episodes of Emmerdale on a Thursday night, and then for the series three and four, we were on slightly later, yeah. But it was always Thursdays on ITV. What is out of all the things that you've done, what are you most sort of like proud of that you've done? Um, my online courses, probably. What are you doing at the minute? Yeah, because those are the things that ultimately changed my life from a business point of view. So, what is it? about these that you're doing now that is more than going on TV and going on radio for you? Is it because you think you're changing sort of people's lives with that? Because you're not just well, talking about... from that about- point of view, I mean, honestly, being completely frank about it, yeah. going on TV, it doesn't necessarily make you a great deal of money. Yeah. The online courses have made me a fuck ton. Yeah. That's it. That's that's the truth, right? Yeah. So from that point of view, it's enabled me to get that life that I wanted. Yeah. So that's why I'm really proud of it because I sort of built this thing out of nothing. Yourself, yeah. Yeah. Yourself, and yeah. and you know I've got students all over the world now on every single continent. We've got students. It's incredible. So that's obviously a, a source of pride. And obviously, it's it's great to see people that are, have done the course and are then using it to like set up their own business. Because the, the, the one that, that does the best is one that's actually an accredited diploma. So people can do the course and then they can, they can get insurance to go and, you know, yeah. sort of advise people around nutrition yeah. and help people plan diets and stuff like that and go and start, start their well, own business. That's what I mean. Essentially, the end goal of that course is to help people out though, isn't it? 
That's what I'm saying. It is, yeah. I mean, every, I guess everything that I do is is something that is helping people have a transformation. Yeah, that's ultimately what I do. I, I, my career is transformation. Well, that's what I mean. You can't yeah. do that through TV. You can't really do that through radio. Well, you, you can. Mean, you, you can. You, you can. Well, not you can do that if you can read that you're doing. You're training. Exactly. It's very difficult up. to do it in six yeah. uh, six minute segment yeah. on the TV. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. But you're training people up now who are actually going to help other people out yeah. with acne and stuff. Yeah. Like so that. it's a it's a ripple effect. So that's 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 what I that's what I thought was your thing. But yeah. I didn't know if you thought of it like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I I think I've probably taken for granted the fact that everything I, I that I have built my business around is stuff that helps people go through some sort of transformation. So I didn't necessarily look at it like that, but yeah. you know I can see, see that that's ripple what effect. I think your brand's yeah. built, and you see about like helping people out, even though you're teaching people that and that person is actually going to help people out. Mm. You know, yeah, absolutely. But I think you know I would love you to do a bit more kind of body stuff under that, mate. Yeah. I'd love to see that content a million percent because there's yeah. loads of stuff that I want to know. No, it's just you telling me about that's the second stage. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, that's men. Yeah. I don't even know that. Yeah. So each of those stages of enlightenment, different, it's it's like um, you've got different chapters of the Bible from, you know, Old and New Testament, yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. Similar, similar kind of vibe. The three main sutras were written at different stages of enlightenment, and that represents the second stage of enlightenment. I don't know why I got it. I was just like, look, something appealed me to it. I'm yeah, just like, I've, I've got I've got Buddhas all over the house. Yeah. yeah, there's only one that's in like the actual shrine, like the little shrine in my office. It's uh, it's like a reclining Buddha and there's the chanting bell and different things. And so, do you, do you practice it every day, do you? Yeah, yeah. It's mint that, mate. Yeah, it's. I mean, some some days for don't for like obviously when I'm kind of. Yeah. For, you know, staying up here and that kind of stuff. But ultimately, um, the the thing that I (coughs) really loved about it was the fact that life is the training ground. Yeah. You know, it's very easy to kind of achieve a state of peace if you're locked in um, a monastery at the top of a mountain because life doesn't get in the way. The real get in the gutter and, you, you know roll your sleeves up and yeah. t- grab life by the bollocks. Yeah. That's what, that's how you really learn to put this stuff into practice, into practice yeah. because life gives you lots of opportunity to practice patience. Yeah. I mean, Christ on a bike, 2020, yeah. that's been like one of the best times to practice patience yeah. and non-attachment yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. because of the, the hell that's been unleashed on our lives and the, yeah. and the nightmare of a year that it's been. So I... <clears throat> I think every day is a practice. Yeah. Every single day is a practice. And you, you constantly looking, up, I'm constantly looking at myself and how I'm responding to how life is unfolding for me. You know, so how, you know, how you interact with people, how you respond to situations and issues, all of that is yeah. daily practice. You know, it's uh, this. Uh, have you ever read *The Way of the Peaceful Warrior* by Dan Millman? No, I don't read yeah. me, mate. There's a really good line in there because the guy he basically meets um, meets a gas station attendant that becomes like his spiritual teacher. But the guy is like a college gymnast and he's like really full of himself and all the rest of it at the beginning. And uh, they're having a conversation about about practice and attention. And he was like, "Yeah, when I'm when I'm on the track, I you know I'm absolutely in the zone." And the, and the guy that he nicknamed Socrates, his teacher, he was like, "See, there's the difference. You practice gymnastics, I practice everything." Oof. And that's and that's the thing. And, and everything is your practice. Everything is your practice because every single moment yeah. 
is all you have. Yeah. So everything that you do should be your practice. And that, you know, that was another thing that actually fueled my um, change in behavior with, with alcohol as well. It's just like, I want to experience life again. Yeah. I want to remember what it feels like to be present in each day. Yeah. And to actually experience each day, not through this kind of yeah. clouded lens of, you know, subtle inebriation. It's like, well... Mm. Yeah, strange. I love it, mate. You just like I, I do, you know, <clears throat> quite a bit of sort of like meditation. It's more breathing meditation, but then I can I do hot yoga. But what it does, it helps me to connect in the world better yeah. by doing hot yoga. Yeah. I've got this internal dialogue going on with myself while I'm kind of yeah. doing it. It's stripping my ego out of the way, getting rid of all that I shit. Hot, hot. So when I kind of come to, I'm in a conversation with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have a conversation with some people and on the phone, and they're not in a conversation with me. Because they're not practicing that. It's being present. Yeah. It's being present. Yeah. I think that's pretty much I've taught, That's pretty much what yoga does for me. Helps me be present more. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I tried hot yoga once. My mate Goldie does it. You know, Goldie, right, yeah, like that's right. Yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've seen him doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a brand, the Yo Gangster. I, mean, yeah, I went, right. went, out to his, went out to his house in Thailand and did some, did some um, video content with him. I went to a, I mean, well, that was, I've got an interesting story about that night. Yeah, um, <laughs> but, but then I tried hot yoga once and nearly passed out. And I was just like, you know what? Yeah. You, can, you can keep that side of things. So this, this, night, this, this particular night in Thailand, it was in, in Phuket. And... Um, I've been yeah, been doing some video content with them for a couple of days, and then um, obviously you're a massive fan of Gold in the drum and bass, like he yeah, was yeah, like he's the man good mate of mine. Yeah, now. It's like bizarre, Metalheads, that's yeah, his that's label, right. yeah, 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 yeah. And um, and, and he was like, right, we're all going to go out. Um, example, you know, example. Yeah. Like he he's playing at um, Passion in Phuket. We're going to go along and see him. And it's like, I've sorted you lot out VIP. So we'll just see you in the VIP room. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm cool. There. So we, 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 we kind of got there and, you know, G turned up to get us in and sat in this VIP room. I just sat talking to this, this group of lads and I was getting, getting on quite well with them and they seemed like a good laugh. Um, you know, they were putting away quite a lot of booze. <laughs> uh, I wasn't at the time. I was just drinking coconut water, rock and roll. Um, and Goldie comes along and he was like, oh, you're bonding with One Direction then. It was what it oh, was. Really? It was Liam Payne, um, Zayn Malik, and Louis Tomlinson, right. and that was the night that they split up. Do you remember when One Direction yeah. split up in Thailand? Yeah. I saw the whole thing unfold. Because of right? You, Dave. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's it. Because I put all these all these pictures up on Facebook. Then I woke up in the morning and my phone had gone batshit. And like, <laughs> it's like one night out with you, what and then split up. It's like, well, how the fuck did you medicine them? And um, basically, what happened? We we went from the VIP room down to this like little section of the club that had been sort of roped off for us. And it had like security in that, stopping, yeah. you know, trying to stop people go in. And we were sat in this little booth. So there was me, there was um, Lisa who works on the one show, and then there was um, Liam sat next to me. Then opposite was Louis and Zane. This girl kind of was edging ever closer. She yeah. was just kind of edging towards this booth. And she managed to kind of get past the security and just gradually, bit by bit, move towards this booth. And her mate was kind of yeah. behind the booth as well. This girl come along, she basically jumped on that Zane's lap. Her mate took a photograph. Next day, that photograph's in the paper. His girlfriend finishes with him. He fucks the band off. Everything falls apart. It's just because this, this chance. Wow. Yeah. And we just watched the whole thing unfold. It was like, blimey. Chance. So, yeah, that was, that was, that was, uh, that was an interesting, interesting evening. That is mad. Yeah. So, what's next for Dale Pinnock then? The brand. What's um, next for him? 
so just about to launch, launch the supplement line. Yeah, you know, brought some little samples to have a look at today. Um, there's there's two two SKUs at the minute, and then there's going to be a, a, a vitamin D arriving just before Christmas, and then another two products at the beginning of 2021. Um, I'm working on a business course as well. Yeah. So actually teaching people how I've got, kind of got to where I've got. It's called mastering the wellness business. Yeah. So like literally teaching people how to create this kind of a business setup. Uh, so will you be teaching them sort of like media as well and that kind of a bit of everything so like how to become a published author how to pitch to tv producers how to how to set up your facebook pixel how to create audience how to create lookalike audiences how to create um ad funnels and launch campaigns and all of that kind of stuff so the digital media and the digital marketing um the publishing tv and media all of that kind of stuff. So you're now publishing all your own books as well. That's what I'm going to be doing. Yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, I, um, I, I'm doing it the other way around. Most author, a lot of authors will start off self-publishing, and yeah. then they get picked up by a big publishing yeah. house, and that's like the dream kind of thing. I've done that 18 times now, and it's at a point where, I mean, and it's great. It's you know, it's awesome, but it's now at a point where the stuff that I want to put out, they they don't necessarily right. So rather than kind of settling or selling myself short, I'm like, well, why don't I just? I've got I've got the audience now, I've got the readership now. Why don't I st- sort of start taking control of my own publishing? Yeah, um, which is what I'm doing. So yeah, and I can put it put books out whenever I want. What um, about the Dale Pinnock Stew TV Studio? Well, this is another little thing that I'm working on. I mean, the, the studio, I, I, would, I would like to get like a, a, a studio to film in, but I've had another brainwave of an idea. Me and my friend are actually making a web series. Perfect. Yeah. Very good. But I'll tell you more of that off air because oh, it's a little fine. bit secret squirrel at the minute. But, um, but yeah, we're working on a web, a web That'd series. That'd be smart, mate, cool. it? Yeah. So if anybody wants to find you, where can they go and find you? Where can they get your books from? Where can they get... Um... The books are everywhere. They're in you know, in all good bookshops. Um, uh, the website's just dalepinnock.com. Yeah. Um, on Instagram, it's The Medicinal Chef. On Facebook, it's The Medicinal Chef as well. And people can sign up to one of your courses. Yeah, so if go on on the website, there's links to the courses there. So the, at the minute, there's there's the diet another day. There's um, the diploma. There's going to be the business course, and then there's going to be a monthly subscription called uh, the Nutrition Hub. So with that, there's like a mon- monthly lectures, get new recipes each month. There's like expert interviews as well. So yeah. you get key, key figureheads in the industry, yeah. get get them on get them on camera, have a chat with them, that kind of stuff. And they get access to you as well. Exactly, and then and every two weeks there's going to be something called the clinic, where right. members of that can actually have me on board as their personal nutritionist and ask me anything. So you started off with a clinic, and now you're going to end with a clinic. Yeah, but it, because it's on Zoom. <laughs> be Zoom. A, right, Dale. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Pleasure. Bye. Bye.